Thanks for joining us for this podcast. We hope that it inspires you to follow Jesus. You can find out more about the life and ministry of City Lights Church and how you can connect with us at city-lights.church. Well, we are in the, um, the second week of our series called Dreamers. Who was here last week for week one? Who got something from God maybe that lingered in their spirit? I'm glad that you did. I certainly do. And let me give you a couple of really important things for us to know as we continue this series. The first thing is that everyone gets to dream. In the kingdom of God, everyone gets to dream. No matter what your history, no matter what your current circumstance, no matter if you've had a dream and it didn't work out, or you're in the midst of pain, or if you're having the time of your life, every single person gets to dream. And it's really important for us to understand that one of the primary ways that God communicates with us is dreams. What do we mean by dreams? We mean dreams, we mean vision, and it's part of how God takes something from out there and into here and into here. God puts something within our hearts and our mind, a picture of a better future. And I want to encourage you to pray for dreams. That's one of the big things during this, uh, this series is to encourage you every day to pray for dreams. You know, I've been doing the same thing probably multiple times a day, praying for dreams and for visions. And guess what? God has been answering my prayers. And part of what happens is when we pray for dreams, our hearts begin to expand. Small-mindedness drops off. We begin to see the reality of Jesus and what is possible in the kingdom of God. And I think it's really, really exciting. So as part of this series, we're looking at the person in the story, the character in the Bible called Joseph. And some of you may have heard this story before, and some of you may have never heard the story of Joseph before. But Joseph had a dream, and this dream took him from the pasture, a 17-year-old shepherd, 13 years later, to be the prince of Egypt. Okay, sounds like a pretty short time if you say it in one sentence, but we need to understand the journey of that dream. The other thing that we know about Joseph's dream is it wasn't for his own glory, but it was actually to bring the whole nation, the tribe, the family of Israel, to become the nation of Israel, to save them from a regional famine and to bring them into salvation. Not only did it save Israel, Jacob's family, but it actually saved the nation of Egypt and many of the surrounding nations through what God did through Joseph. And I want to encourage you that God wants to give you the type of dream that could bring salvation and bring healing not only to your own life, but to the lives around you. And some of us here, and I know some of you are right here like, oh man, I like, I don't know, I've got a lot of work to do on myself. And you probably do, we all do, but I want to encourage you that the type of dream that God wants to give you is not just so that you'll be blessed. Yeah, that's good, but so that you'll become 
a blessing to those around you. The other thing that we saw here, and I love this, um, this little graphic, is we looked at the journey of the dream. That the journey of the dream was not linear. It was not sequential. That the sign that the dream was, was in progress and that it was coming to fulfillment wasn't actually that everything was going well. That wasn't the sign. And I want to encourage you, if you've got a dream and God has set you on a course, don't take um, things going and difficulties and adversity as a sign that God is not working. Use it as an opportunity to see how God is going to work. And look at all these things, rejection, jealousy, service, temptation, abandonment, integrity, faith, hopelessness, faithfulness and reconciliation. And I want to encourage you in this. What we're going to see today is even when Joseph did the exact right thing, things still didn't work out for him in the short term. That should be part of the encouragement in our life. That is, when things are going good, that's not, the, that's not just the sign of God's favour. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. And this morning, I'm going to talk about dream killers. Dream killers. Because if we understand that dreams are from God, then we also understand as we study the Bible that uh, there is an ad uh, adversary, there is opposition, and that every dream from God is opposed. When God wants to do something good, when God wants to use you to bring salvation, you are going to come up against some resistance to that because you have an enemy, an adversary, that does not want you to come into salvation, that does not want you to come into freedom, but actually wants you to stay where you are, does not want you to come into that life, that wonderful and abundant life that God has for you. And so God wants to bring us through. God wants, as we talked about last week, He wants to allow the challenges to cause our faith in God to be stronger and allow us to go through. One of the things I said last week is a dream from God never works out. It only works through. And part of that is we need to understand that there are going to be forces. There are actually going to be opportunities and options that come up that will kill our dreams, and we need to be watchful and alert. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to highlight from the story of Joseph some of what I call the dream killers are, and we're also going to look at what it takes, some of the things that we can do, and our role to see the kingdom of God, to see the dreams of God come to pass in our lives. Let's pray together. Jesus, we honor you and we thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, as the Apostle Peter said that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and there will be dreams and there will be visions and there will be prophecy released on every person. 
And so, Lord, we thank you and we claim that as an available for every single person here in the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you know that we have a role in seeing the dreams of God, the visions of God become fulfilled in our life? We have a role. We are in partnership with God. Now, I do have to say that the type of partnership we have with God is an unequal partnership, but still God has chosen to partner with us nonetheless. And let me give you a little bit of an idea to set up a foundation before we go into this morning's scripture. And the foundation is this. Think about it this way. In nature, there are two things that you need to see something come to life. Two things. If we're going to go out and create a garden, vegetable garden, we're going to bring something organic that has life, that is able to flourish and bear fruit. There are two things that we need. What is one of those things? We need a seed. Now, what I said last week is a dream is a seed word from God that inspires our imagination and infuses us with courage. And I want to say, when you get a dream from God, that is good seed. It has potential. But as you know, in real life, for that seed to grow, you have to take that seed and you have to place it not just in any soil, but you have to take that good seed, that word from God, and put it in good soil. And I want to encourage you that we have a role in cultivating the soil in which God can place that seed. God is the one who gives us the seed and God is the one who has power to make that seed come to life. It's not, we don't have magic, all right? We don't have any power within ourselves, but God is the one supernatural power by the Holy Spirit who can take that potential seed as we plant it into the soil. It can begin to give it life. And I want to pose to you this morning this, that trust is the soil in which dreams thrive. Trust is the soil in which dreams thrive. And this is our part to cultivate that soil by building trust. And so this morning, we're going to have a look at the journey of Joseph's dream, and we're going to make a stop in the account of Joseph in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar was the chief of the special um, army, the bodyguard of the king. And he had a a very high profile position. The Bible tells us that he was quite wealthy. He had a lot going on. And this is where Joseph was sold into slavery. And we're going to pick up in Genesis 39 and verse 1. You can read in your Bible. Or on the screen, you can listen or watch there. Genesis 31, 39, it says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. 
The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. Now, the first dream killer is this, very, very simple, but something that I know at times I've too easily forgotten. The first dream killer is this, forgetting that God is with you. Forgetting that God is with you. It's easy to do. I wonder, have you ever read this story? For those that have read this story and have thought about it, I wonder what kind of attitude, what kind of conduct, what kind of atmosphere did Joseph build around him, this young teenage boy who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery by his brothers. That's pretty cold, right? To be sold into slavery by your own blood. To be abandoned, to be rejected, to be forgotten. But something with Joseph is that when people encountered him, they knew that God was with him. They knew that God was with him. There's another story in the Bible. Uh, You can read this in uh, the book of Judges about a guy named Gideon. And Gideon was oppressed by uh, his, the the nation, uh, the tribes of Israel were oppressed by a group of um, kind of raiders uh, called the Midianites. And so Gideon is kind of hiding in this place and he has a visitation by God, and Gideon asks this question, if God is with us, why are all these bad things happening to us? If God is with us, why are all these bad things happening to you? Some of you, you might be in the middle of a dream, in the middle of you walking out, walking through your fulfillment, and you might be saying, if God is with me, Why aren't things working out? I think it's a legitimate question. And it's a question that was answered in the story of Gideon by God and encounters with God. But here's what we understand from Joseph. It was not, it does not seem like it was a question that Joseph was asking. For whatever reason, and I believe that the dream that Joseph had is evidence of the Holy Spirit working in him and the Holy Spirit on him in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit comes for limited times on limited people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh all the time. And so there was something going on with Joseph. And here's what it was. Joseph put his trust in God. If you want to see the dream that God has placed in your life become for, come to fulfillment, you're going to need to put your trust in God. It's so simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. Just because something simple doesn't mean it's easy. But we need to put our trust in God. 
What are the alternatives? We put our trust in our circumstance. Sometimes we can even put our trust in our dream. God doesn't want you to put your trust in your dream. He wants you to put your trust in him. And when you start to continue, and usually daily, sometimes for me, minutely, not a word, until now, day after day, moment by moment, we keep putting our trust in God. This is when we begin to create the soil and cultivate the soil in which the dreams, which are the purposes and the promises of God, can thrive. So the trust builder number one is this, put your trust in God. I want to encourage you that, that what we were singing this morning about the same God, that song was a song for this moment and for this message because the same God that rose Jesus from the dead, the same God that fulfilled Joseph's dream is the same God that is at work in your life. Do you ever think about the wonder of God and the wonder of prayer? That every time that I pray, God is ready to listen? Shouldn't be that way, should it? That's the beauty. Every time I say, God, would you fill my heart with vision? And I begin to pray and pray and pray. He answers that prayer. I want to encourage you that God, that same God, is the one to put your trust in. We are always putting our trust in something, but not always putting our trust in God. And when we put our trust in God, our dreams begin to thrive. Here's a promise. You could declare this this week. You could read this out loud every day. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You could say that. Your spirit, it would do your spirit good. So that's the first point. Let's go into the second one. Verse 4, this pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat? How many of you have kids in your house that are the same? They do not worry about anything except what kind of food to eat. I don't want this. I want something else for dinner. The trust killer number two is this. Ignoring faithfulness in the little things. If you want to see the dream of God become fulfilled in your life, we can learn a lot from Joseph. And Joseph, what Joseph did consistently and reliably is this. He was faithful in every circumstance. If you want reasons for not doing a good job, being sold and forced to be a slave 
and abandoned by your family is a pretty good one. Would it have been easy for Joseph to adopt a victim mentality? Of course it would. But he didn't. And as we know, it's easy to despise the little things and it's easy to tell ourselves our internal script that these things don't matter. And sometimes we can even use our dream to justify it. Oh, I I don't need to do this because this is not my dream. This is not what God, I know God's given me a picture of the future, so I'm just going to save all my energy for that moment. That's not how. It works. How do we know it's not how it works? Because Jesus tells us this. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And it's easy for us to give ourselves an easy out. It's easy for us to actually despise. Zechariah chapter 4, 10a, it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. If you're in the midst of a lifestyle change, if you're in the midst of a time in your life where you recognize that there are some things that you've been doing, maybe little things or big things that are unhealthy, and you start and you begin to do something else, Who knows that at that time, it feels clunky. It feels like, I don't know, is this working? I'm not very good at this. Is this even for me? But God wants to encourage you that actually what Joseph was doing, he was actually training to lead a whole nation. He was training, he was in training moment after moment doing the little things in such an amazing way that he built this incredible momentum. Do you know, in the future of our church, by the grace of God, we hope to see hundreds and even thousands of people who don't yet know Jesus come into relationship with him and learn what it means to follow Jesus. I think that's a pretty good dream because we live in a pretty big city, over a million people. We're going to need lots of churches to partner together to do it. And so that's a big dream. Does that mean that we just wait? No. It means that every opportunity that we have to encourage somebody, to serve somebody, to pray for someone, that the little miracles that we see, the first miracles, we celebrate them. We say more God, more healing and more freedom and more wholeness in people's lives, faithfulness in the little thing. I want to encourage you. The second trust builder is this. Become a person that is trusted in character, consistency and competence. I want to encourage you. There are three types of trust. I believe first is consistency. Will you show up reliably? Second, character. Will you operate with personal integrity? Will you do what is right all the time, even when no one's watching, even when you have a reason not to? 
And the third is will you competence, will you work hard and do a good job? And I think it's important that we are people of character, of integrity, but we're also people that can be relied upon when we say we're going to do something to do it well. And this is a whole of life thing. This is a lifestyle that we're invited. I want to encourage you that as simple and as basic as that sounds, that that is the pathway to you fulfilling the purposes of God in every area of your life. So simple and so accessible to all of this. That's number two. Are you ready for number three? Continuing with the story, second part of verse 7. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. The third dream killer that we see from this story is sexual immorality. Do you know that sex is one of the most unifying things in the planet, on the planet? And it's designed by God to keep married couples and families strong. But I also want to say, and we understand this from a biblical perspective and also from life experience, that sexual sin is one of the most powerful and destructive forces on the planet. Now, I don't say this with any joy, but here are things that I have heard and we do here. As this, when they had an affair, it tore me apart. When my husband had a porn addiction, it tore our marriage apart. When my mum walked out with that other guy, it tore our family apart. When our pastor was unfaithful to his wife, it tore our church apart. And sexual sin tears dreams apart. I do want to pause to say that this is a place of grace and a place of healing and a grace place of for uh, forgiveness, but we also need to understand the power of sexual sin. Sexual sin tears individuals apart, couples apart, families apart, communities apart, churches apart, dreams apart, and there are too many examples of this. Sexual sin breaks trust, hearts, intimacy, and unity. 1 Corinthians 6, the second part says, No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. It deeply impacts our bodies. It deeply divides our souls. And it deeply dishonors God. But what can we learn from Joseph? And how can... We get to a place of forgiveness and grace and also strength to see the dreams of God fulfilled. It says, but Joseph, what did he do? Refused. Look, he told her, my master, what does he say? Trust me. With everything in his entire household, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. 
because you are his wife, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great, interesting sin against God. In this passage, we get an insight into Joseph's logic and into how he is processing this. And trust is a big part of it. And if we understand that trust is the soil in which we cultivate to see the dreams of God come to life, we understand that here's what Joseph is saying. He says, I would break trust with the responsibilities I have been given. I would break trust with my master. But I would also break trust with God. Here's an interesting thing that causes, causes me to think is that God takes sin personally. That's why part of why he sent Jesus. And it's a sin against God. Verse continuing, he says, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Here's something that we can learn, a little byline that we can learn from Joseph, and it's this. When it comes to protecting ourselves and protecting our dream, building trust, that we need to create environments that are hard to sin and easy to please God. Another message for another day on boundaries, but you can, I can, we can, put ourselves in some really, really difficult situations where it doesn't matter what kind of boundaries you have, you've created an environment that is easy to sin and difficult to please God. And God wants you to flip that and say, should I go to this place at this time with this person and do that and expect something different? Hope it encourages you. 11. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Here's another thing that we can learn from Joseph. When it comes to sexual sin and sexual immorality, Run as fast and as far away as you can from it, whatever the cost. Whatever the cost. You see, Joseph didn't just leave his coat, he left his career. He left his place, privileged place of influence. He left his reputation. He left his relationships. He had rebuilt his life to a point where he was second in charge of the household of one of the most important people in all of Egypt. And it came to a point where he said, I'm not going to justify it, I'm not going to rationalize it, but I am going to flee in order to please God and not to sin against God and not to break trust. I want to encourage you, and I don't, minimize the uh, the effects of 
of sexual sin, but I want to encourage you. Can I be bold? Can I be your pastor today? Can I say that when it comes to sexual sin, I want to encourage you to stop justifying it to yourself and stop rationalizing. Stop saying, I don't want to lose this relationship. I don't want to hurt someone. I want to protect others by keeping it a secret. I want to protect influence and reputation. There is something greater that's at stake, and it's here, your heart and your soul. And it takes boldness, and it takes courage, and it takes the help of the Holy Spirit who is with you to do this. Can we keep going? Verse 13. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband had brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. The third and final way that we can build trust from this passage is in marriage or singleness to learn to trust God's plan for your sexual and relational fulfillment. Why don't you take a moment? Let's just close our eyes. When Jesus came, he didn't come with a pointed finger. He came with a helping hand. And right now, all across this room, we are praying that God would release the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing and to bring wholeness. The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to convict Another way to think about it is to convince. He is, comes to convince us of righteousness. To convince us the right way to go. But when He does, He also gives us power for heal, healing, for wholeness. And that's what He's doing right now. I don't know what your story is like. I don't know what your circumstances is like. The point of this is not to point the finger at you, but to actually bring you into that strength and life and that wholeness, that healing from the inside out that floods your life with joy. So right now, just receive it. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for transformation. God, release your love. Release your kindness. Lord, for those that say, I'm off track, I need to change direction and get back on track. We pray that you would release that. In the name of Jesus.
Just before we go today, I heard a, a story. I don't know if it's just legend or a story from the Knights Templar. So the Knights Templar were the group of people that went over to conduct the Crusades. Okay, Not a great moment in Christian history. And legend has it or story has it that when the Knights Templar would get baptized, they would baptize everything except their sword. They would hold their sword above the water. And the symbolism for that is, God, I give you everything except what I might do with this sword. Do you know that sometimes in all of our life, that is the way that we approach what it means to follow Jesus. That we say, God, I want I want to be baptized. I want to be one. I want this relationship with you. But God, I'm keeping this out of the water. And sometimes we get into a stalemate and we get into a point where we're at loggerheads with God and we resist the working of God in our life. God has no desire to control, to limit His plan, His purposes is to bring you into life and into freedom and into wholeness. And this morning, if that's you, it could be not even related to what I've been talking about. But if you realize there's something in your life that you've been holding out of the water, I encourage you to let go of that and to allow God to completely work in your life and in your spirit. Do you know what's ahead? Freedom. That that thing you're holding on to is actually killing you killing you from the inside out and so we're going to pray one more time and then um, we're going to get ready to close the message thanks for joining us for this message we hope that it has inspired you to follow Jesus you can find out more about City Lights Church at city-lights.church